choosing what you're going to base your values on, whether you're going to base it on culture, on yourself, or are you going to base it on something more stable like the Word of God. And, uh, and so tonight we're, we're going to look at something most of us don't have, and it's called self-control. I mean, listen, anything that's uncontrollable, understand this, anything that you don't have control of will eventually destroy your life. Doesn't matter what it is. It can be eating. Uh, you know, if you eat, you know, uh, Twinkies all the time or nothing but ice cream or something, you're going to not be healthy. It's going to, there's, there's always a price tag to it. It can be drinking. It can be TV, chocolate. It can be spending. Uh, it can even be pecan pie. I mean, anything that's not controlled will eventually destroy you. So we've been doing this thing, Values to Live By, and tonight we're looking at self-control. It's not a popular topic. It's not a topic you say, oh, man. I want to go see what they're talking about tonight. Uh, but it's one that's needed. I mean, uh, most people, uh, you know, want to look at how can we have more fun, how can we make more money, and stuff like that. But we're going to look at self-control specifically at one area of self-control, and the principles that we'll look at can work in any area of our life. But we're going to look in the area of controlling our anger tonight. And, um, and so this has to do all with all of us in some way or not, whether you're a person that blows up or not, uh, or maybe you're one that clams up and, and just shuts down and, and all that. And uh, somebody said you're either a skunk or a turtle. Think about it. When a skunk gets mad, it raises its tail and sprays whoever it's mad at and really stinks up the place. A turtle just pulls everything in and clams up kind of. And so uh, we don't want you to be a skunk or a turtle. Uh, either way, we want you to learn how to uh, deal with your emotions, so that you're not overwhelmed by emotions. In our culture today, I think it's pretty obvious that we don't know how to handle anger. On the Scoot show today, all he was talking about was an 18-year-old student somewhere that beat up a teacher who was in a wheelchair. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, violence is at an all-time high. I mean, every area of violent crime is up in almost every city in our nation. Uh, you know, and, and here's the thing. I don't know if you know this or not. Did you know most murders occur from family members? Most people that kill each other is a family member or a good friend that has killed them. And, uh, and so that, that's, that's crazy. And, uh, I mean, if, just every week in New Orleans, east, somebody gets shot out there, it seems like. Uh, sometimes twice a week. And, uh, you know, it's just crazy. Uh, you, you know, you don't want to give anybody the ugly eye. I used to like give people the ugly eye when they cut me off, you know, and just and uh, or make a face at them. Now they just pull a gun out and shoot at you. So I don't even give the ugly eye. You don't, you don't dare do any of that stuff because it, there's just so much anger out there. So where's all the anger coming from? You know, I, th- I think it comes from a lot of different things. I think we live a fast-paced life in a society where we expect results immediately, and when those results don't happen, we get frustrated. And uh, we don't like that. And, uh, you know, so then you throw in, uh, you know, two years of being on COVID restrictions. How many of you have enjoyed that? I n- nobody raised your hand. All right. Uh, you know, COVID restrictions. And then throw in the politics of, that have infected that whole disease and, uh, and the politics in general. Uh, and it's real ugly. You know, people have gone, uh, you know, they, they, we've become polarized by positions. Uh, on, on really on, on this vaccine. The vaccine has become the big divider in our country. It really mandates to the vaccine. I want you to know I'm pro-vaccine. I'm anti-mandate. 
Uh, I just and I'm anti-mandate because I don't think mandates work. Because when you tell me I've got to do something, what's my first re reaction? No, I don't. So y'all did it. But uh, you know, but I think I could sell you on it. But anyway, so we've we've just become this divided country, and social media has stripped a whole generation uh, of people from being able to interact face to face. We don't no longer. I mean. Let me tell you, I can say something on social media that I would never tell Wayne face-to-face -face or Andre face-to-face -face or something. Why? Because you might get punched in the face, but on social media, you know, you can say anything you want to say, right? And, and it's okay. So we've learned how to relate. We've learned how not, we've forgotten how to relate to people, you know? I mean, it's just gone crazy. And uh, it's not that social media is bad. It's just giving us a, a cowardly way to say mean things on the Internet. And then our media saturates the news with all kinds of violent behavior. I mean, if there's violence anywhere in this nation, they're going to show it. Now, we've always had a lot of acts of violence in our country, not as many as today, I don't think. But you, don't, you didn't see every single one of them every single day. And, uh, and so that's, you know, the news media does that. Why do you think they do that? Because we watch it. The girl that beat up the teacher posted it on the Internet. And, uh, and why? So she can see how many views that she gets. And I think those views will probably be seen by 12 jurors at some point. And, uh, you know, and, and so it's, and, and for the TV people, it's all about money. And uh, they want ratings. And that's, the why, that's why they say things. And so, uh, you know, it's just bad. It's a bad situation. We've politicized the disease. We've done all this stuff. And, um, you know, we've, we've, we've become a divided nation in so many different ways. So tonight we're going to look at how can God help us control our anger. There's a lot of frustration around. All you've got to do is drive around here and you see it in people. And, uh, and, and so, uh, but first let me say this before we go too far. Write this down. Anger is not a sin. A lot of people think if I get angry, it's a sin. If you punch me in the face, it's a sin, all right? And, uh, you know, but but anger's not a sin. In the Bible, we see God gets angry, and we know God doesn't sin. Uh, the Bible even says, be angry in one place and don't sin. Jesus got angry and cleared the temple. So it's not anger that's the sin. It's how we express that anger. And so God gave you and me the capacity to get angry. Did you know that's a gift God gave us? And there, he gave us the capacity to get angry, but we've just got to learn to use it wisely. And, and if you don't learn to use your anger wisely, it will destroy or mess up your life in a major, major way. But if you use it in the correct way, it can be a great asset. Now, there's things in our world that happen that anger is the proper, is the proper response. I mean, think about it. It's something you, we get angry at injustice when somebody's been taken advantage of. That's a, it's a righteous anger. We get angry at that. Maybe somebody's um, uh, you know committed an act of violence against your family. You've got, that's a a right anger. You come break in my house, I'm going to be angry. You know, you hurt my wife, I'm going to be angry. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So maybe it's, you know, there's things that happen in our society. Maybe somebody hurts your children. That's a, that's a righteous anger. And there's things, but we've got to learn how to deal with that anger and uh, do that. So I'm not telling you tonight, and don't think I am, uh, there, I'm not telling you tonight that anger's wrong. But what just popped up on my iPad was another shooting in New Orleans East on the I-10 tonight. Is that crazy? I mean, it's happening all the time. We've got to learn how to deal with our anger. 
And in the Proverbs, Solomon gives us seven steps we're going to look at tonight from the Proverbs. Solomon's the smartest man to ever live except for Jesus. And we're going to learn from him how do we control our anger. And so I want you to, to write some of these things down. Number one, I need to decide to decide to control it. It's a decision. See, first, we've got to take responsibility. That was one of the values we said we're going to build our life on is me taking responsibility. Well, I've got to take responsibility for my own anger and stop saying that I can't control myself. You've got to stop saying, I just can't control. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the years. They've said, I just can't help it. That just goes up, and I, and I just lash out. You can help it. You can help it. We've got, to, we've got to take responsibility. Here's how I know that as a Christian, Paul said this, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, everything's too big a word for me. So I can control my anger through Christ who gives me strength. Let's just do that one thing. I can control my anger through Christ who gives me strength. And so you start there because he's going to give you the strength. Paul stated, hey, look, anything that God wants us to do, he'll give us the strength to do. So stop making excuses and act responsibly for our own anger. Proverbs 29.11 says, Stupid people express their anger openly, but sensible people are patient and hold it back. When I read verses like this, just to let you know how I read the Bible every day, when I read something like that, I'm going, please, Lord, don't let me be the stupid guy today. You know, I, let me be the sensible person, at least today. I'm just worried about today. And, uh, and so, but, you know, uh, God is saying here that sensible people are patient. They hold the anger back. And, and so, look, I want you to, if you don't get anything else, I want you to write this down in your notes. Anger, like every emotion, is a choice. I can't make you be mad. Somebody else can't make you be mad. Anger, like any other emotion, is a choice. When I worry, that's a choice. When I get depressed, that's a choice, unless there's a chemical thing going on in your body. When I'm happy, that's a choice. And so when I'm angry, that's also a choice that I make. You see, you may not like to admit it, but you've got more control over your emotions than you think you do. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever been having a high-level discussion with somebody, maybe high volume, maybe even an argument, maybe as a fight, and then your cell phone rings and you go, hello? Oh, yeah, everything's great. And then you go back to... So you took control of your emotions for a minute, didn't you? Just, just to prove a point. So you, you've got more control over your anger than you think. And that's why the Bible says with God's help we can control it. So you've got to decide in advance how you're going to control it. Part of that's going to be learning to know what triggers your anger and learning and staying away from those triggers or, or coming up with a plan of what you're going to do ahead of time. So while you're, while you're you know, doing that, you say, well, why should I control my anger? Well, number two, write this down. I need to realize there's a cost to uncontrolled anger. There's a cost to it. Anger's got a high price tag and and uh, let me tell you, when you realize that, uh, you're more likely to control it. And uh, it's just not worth it. Uh, here's what the Bible says about uncontrolled anger. I just put some verses on your thing. A hot-tempered man starts fights and gets into all kinds of trouble. I mean, anybody been there? I mean, you know, a hot temper, it gets away from you and you get in trouble. I've seen guys lose jobs. I've seen guys, you know, get, get, get arrested, get in trouble just because they're hot-tempered. 15, 18 of Proverbs Hot tempers cause arguments. 
See, I, let me tell you, I saw two brothers one time just messing around, and all of a sudden one of them, when he slapped the other one, it hurt, and all of a sudden it was a full-fledged fight. Hot tempers cause arguments and fights, and, but patience brings peace. Proverbs 14, 29, a wise man controls his temper. He knows that anger causes mistakes. How many of you know when you get mad and you're seeing red, you lose your, your mental capacity? You start making mistakes. Even if it's doing a job, you might make a mistake on that job because you're mad, you're seething mad, and, and you're not thinking right and you're not seeing right. And, uh, and so you're going to make mistakes. So those are some costs of anger. Proverbs 14, 17 says, Short-tempered people do foolish things. i got to tell you all, I used to be Sunday school director. Before everyone went in, I was working happily in hospital work, and I was... I was a lean 169, 170 pounds, and, and I was playing softball like the Braves were going to call me up. And we got beat to death one night in the game. And so I had a volleyball game later at the church, and I'm mad. I mean, we got beat. I'm, a, I'm, I'm competitive. And, uh, and so, um, you know, we got to the church, and we're playing volleyball, and the referee made a bad call. I mean, it's a bad call. Have you ever seen those comic strips of, Beetle Bailey, where Sarge has got his mouth almost wrapped around his head. That was me on the referee. Thankfully, I didn't cuss. But I, I, was, I, I made a, a jerk out of myself. I had to apologize to everybody in the gym. Right here it says, short-tempered people do foolish things. That was, a, that was a foolish thing. You know, and I'm one of the guys. I mean, I was in charge of the adult Sunday school class at that church. It was a big church at the time. So. Hot-tempered people, we get in trouble all the time, Right? They cause arguments, start fights. They make mistakes. You lose your mental capacity when your anger blows up. And so I'm glad I'm not the only one in this room that has that problem or has had that problem. Look at this one. The fool provokes his family to anger, and resentment will finally, uh, and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. Let me tell you, when you lose your temper all the time, you're going to lose your family. You lose your spouse's love. You lose your kids. And, and pretty soon you don't have anything. You don't have anything. And, and, uh, and so uh, we don't want to let uncontrolled anger in our lives because when we do, we lose. Say it with me. We lose with uncontrolled anger. It's a big price tag. It's not worth it. Number three, write this down. This is where it kind of starts. I need to learn to restrain my mouth. I used to have a guy work for me. I'd tell him just because it pops in your brain doesn't mean it's got to come out of your lips. And uh, we've got to learn to restrain our mouth. We've got to learn to think before we open our mouth. My mama used to say, Robert, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. And, uh, you know, what, look what Proverbs says. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. Okay, that's the end of the message. I mean, right there, if we just live by that verse, we'd be in pretty good shape. Watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut, and you'll stay out of trouble. We've all got to learn that one. I mean, if you learn to keep your mouth shut, you won't put your foot in it. I don't like eating my foot. And, uh, and so we need to learn to, to keep our mouth shut. The Bible says that even a fool sounds wise if he says nothing. And so you might be crazy as a loony bird, but if you just keep your mouth shut, you're not going to sound like you're crazy as a loony bird. Keep control of your mouth, and you'll stay out of trouble. And in a big way, anger control is mouth control. And uh, anybody besides me, your mouth got you in trouble? I mean, y'all are behind the camera, so that... that camera the world is not seeing you and so we've we've all kind of done that haven't we i mean the problem is we like to talk 
the more we talk, the more likely we are to say the wrong thing. You know how many crimes have been solved by the police, by people that just keep talking? They just keep talking, and they'll finally say what the police want to hear. And, uh, you know, and then, then they get arrested. You know, so had a guy one time say, look, it's not that our detectives are that smart. The criminals just keep talking and make mistakes, you know. I, I mean, it, it, you, we get nervous, and we just start talking, right? And, uh, and it, it's like sometimes you just want to go, you know, but um, listen, if you, have, if you have 30 conversations a day, you'll spend one-fifth of your life talking. Some of y'all, more like three or four-fifths of your life talking. I'm not sure. Uh, it, that's about 53,000 pages of books a year. Somebody said the average man speaks 20,000 words a day. The average woman speaks 30,000 words a day. Now, I know some, some households that's flipped. Ours is probably flipped. Pastor Kathy's always coming home. I'm talked out. I still got twenty or thirty thousand to go, you know. But, but uh, you know, both of you go to work. You come home. You're both tired. You know, typically one of you is talked out, and the other one's still wanting to go. And uh, and so it it it's uh, you know it can cause some problems. Uh, but anyway, I found this quote. It says, "A wise old owl sat in an oak, and the more he saw, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard." Let us try to be more like that old bird. <laughs> We've got to learn to restrain or control our mouths. James' half-brother Jesus gives us a formula for it. Let me give it to you. James 1.19. He said, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Listen, if you do the first two, if you're quick to listen and slow to speak, you're going to be slow to get angry. But on the other hand... If you're quick to speak and slow to listen, you're going to be angry most of the time. Uh, you know, we've just got to learn to control our mouths. We've got two ears and a mouth for one reason. And, and listen, the Bible not only tells us to control our mouths, but then it tells us we can't control it without God's help. But the good news is God will help you control your mouth. And, uh, and so we've just got to, we've got to tap into that. And uh, it takes God's power to do that. And, uh, you know... A lot of people talk about emotional intelligence today, and controlling your mouth is where emotional intelligence starts. You can stay out of a lot of trouble just by controlling your mouth. You know, even when somebody steps on that last nerve, and you're wanting to say something smart, Alec, you know, to your boss, to your teacher, to the deputy that just pulled you over for speeding or whatever, you know, don't do it. Control your mouth. Some common myths about anger, real quick, I'll give you. Myth number one is everybody has a set amount of anger. It's like a bucket of water. When the bucket's full, you've got to pour it out. See, we think we've got to pour it on somebody, you know. I mean, you've got to pour that. You've got to get rid of it. you just got that anger, you've got a certain amount, you're going to have to get rid of it. Uh, one problem is that doesn't work uh, because the reality is we've got a factory that's manufacturing anger inside of us. And, uh, and so we need to understand. The second myth, if I can just get rid of it in an outburst, I'll feel better. I remember working at a psych we had a psych hospital on, at our hospital, and, and they told this one guy just, he was mad, he was, and they sent him down and just had him punching a punching bag, you know, and, and uh, that thinking that would make him less mad. After about 30 minutes, he was madder than ever. And, uh, and when they stopped him, he threw a chair through a hurricane window. I mean, you know, it just doesn't work. And, uh, and so those are myths about anger. We've got to learn 
to control our thoughts. Anger produces anger. Aggression produces more aggression. So we've got to understand it. Number four, write this down. I need to reflect before I react, before reacting. In other words, I need to pause, count to ten, walk away, do something before I react. Think before you speak. I can't tell you how many times my dad used to tell me that. Think before you speak. Don't respond impulsively. You know, uh, Proverbs 29, 11 said a rebel or a foolish man in some translations shouts in anger. A wise man holds his temper and cools it. In other words, chill out. <laughs> chill out. You, you got you to gotta take a chill pill and calm down. And that, that's the way. Delay is a great remedy for anger. Not delay. I'm not saying stuff it down and I'm not saying delay forever. But you might de- need to delay for a few minutes. You might need to go calm down before you go deal with it. I mean, if you've got an issue with somebody, delay for a little bit, then go talk to them when the anger level is not on a 10. Because if you're at a 10 and, and, they, and you go and they don't have the reaction that you think they should have, then you're going to blow it. I mean, you're going you're to blow up. So you need to delay. Learn to reflect before you react. And uh, so the more, you know, if you respond impulsively, you're more likely to respond in anger. And uh, that's not going to end well. Never does. And uh, so uh, you, need to, you need to learn to reflect. Now, here's some things you can do while you're reflecting. I'm going to give you a word. Think. T-H-I-N-K. And I'm going to give you an acrostic for it. The T would be ask yourself, is it truthful? What you're going to say, is it truthful? Before you say anything, am I, what I'm fixing to say is the truth. The H, is it helpful? Is what I'm going to say, is it going to help this person or is it going to hurt this person? Is it going to help them? The I, I mean, my mother on the H, my dad always taught me, if you can't say something good, don't say it. If it's not going to help somebody. I, is it inspirational? Is it inspirational? Does it build them up or does it tear them down? Does it inspire them to be better or does it inspire them to be bad? See, you might feel like going off on your kid. Sometimes that feels good until about five minutes later you feel guilty because you did that. But does it help them? No, it don't help them at all. And it gets further, further, you further away from accomplishing your goals. And is it necessary? If it's not necessary, don't say it. Don't be like Raymond's mother and everybody loves Raymond. Anybody watch that show ever? Reruns? She's just, she said, oh, but I'm trying to help. I'm different than meddlers. I'm trying to help. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. If it's not necessary, don't say it. And then K, this is a kicker, is it kind? If it's not kind, you don't need to be saying it. might be the truth, but you've got to say it in, in love. Matter of fact, Paul said speak the truth in love. If you're not saying it out of love and kindness, just don't say it. Think before you speak. Reflect before reacting. During the delay, try and figure out why you are angry. Think about that for a minute. Why are you really angry? Why are you really angry? Is it because this person's done something? Why are you? Try and understand what's really going on. Proverbs Solomon said this, a person's wisdom yields patience. So when, you, when you're wise, you, you have patience. It's one's glory to overlook an offense. So what do you do while you're reflecting? Are you asking, here's some more questions. Why am I angry? What really caused this anger? What, what's, the, what's the cause behind it? Think about what's really going on. You know, 
And, uh, and the second thing you might think of is, what do I really want? So if you're a parent and you want your child to do what you want, telling them to do, screaming at them is not going to get that. They're going to fear you for a minute. But to, to, to get them to, the ultimate goal is to get them to grow up, be healthy, be well balanced, love Jesus, marry uh, somebody, and have grandbabies for you, right? That's, screaming at them don't help any of that. Losing your temper. So what is it you really want? Is screaming at your boss, telling them off what you really want? You know, when I was selling insurance and that lady was cussing me out, I wanted to say something back, but I wanted to make a commission even more. And so uh, I wanted to honor God even more. And uh, I didn't want her to shoot me because I knew she had a gun under the cash register. But, um, you know, all of that. So what is it that you really want? You've got to think goal-oriented. And the third thing is, how can I get it? How can I get it? Is this going to help me get to my goal? No, it's not when we lose our temper. Blowing up is usually not what you want, nor will it get you what you really want. We've got to understand when we get angry, the anger's not the real problem. It's a symptom of a problem. It's like a warning light on your car when you run out of oil. It, it's, it's saying something is wrong here. I'm angry, something's wrong. What's, what's the cause here? When you think about it, there's basically three causes of anger. I'm going to give them to you. Uh, it's not in your notes. You can just write it down. Hurt frustration, and fear. I mean, think about it. Hurt, I mean, have you ever been walking through the house and stump your toe real bad, you know? And, and, and I mean, it hurts so bad you're seeing purple. Purple spots in the dark, you know, and, and, and a big light or something, I mean. And, but the, the, feel, the emotion you have is anger. It's really caused by hurt. Uh, you might... You might be mad at somebody, and most of the time, if you think about it, you're angry at them because they've hurt you, because they've said something that hurt you, um, you know, and so, but the emotion coming out is anger, when it really, the problem is I'm hurt, you know, it, you know, it, I'm, I'm angry because what you said hurt my feelings, and it comes out as anger, and so uh, you react in, uh, in that way, and, and so when you realize that, hey, they're angry at me because I've hurt them, that get, can give you some sympathy and empathy towards that person. Frustration also causes a lot of anger. And we get frustrated whenever, th- whenever something's not going our way, right? I was frustrated the other day when I turned out of my neighborhood to go across the river for a doctor's appointment. I eventually had to cancel, and the traffic going to the Huey P. Long Bridge was backed up past... Uh, whatever that road is, Avenue A, uh, you know, was backed up. So I said, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go the expressway. It was backed up all three lanes past Victory Avenue going to the – it was like, okay, 20 minutes. I didn't even get past one block, and I had to call my doctor and cancer. It was frustrating. I was kind of mad at myself for not leaving maybe two hours earlier with that traffic. But, but uh, you know, we get frustrated anytime something's not going our way. Fear. You know, when we're afraid, we get angry. You know, it builds up. It comes out as anger. And, uh, and so the more insecure people are, the more they struggle with their temper. When people lose their temper, they're usually insecure about something. And so people who are self-secure in Christ, they're more confident. They know where they stand with God, so they're not likely to struggle with anger like the rest, rest of the folks do. And, uh, and so 
we don't struggle with that when we feel threatened because we know God is in control. Typically, though, we don't like to admit we're angry, right? It goes like this. Are you angry? No. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. You really, I think you're angry. I am not angry, you know, and, and, uh, and so we just don't admit it for some reason. I don't know why we won't do that, but I know some of y'all are identifying with that. It's, listen, it's how we deal with the anger that makes a difference. We've got to learn to deal with it. Five, number five. Write this down. I need to learn to release my anger appropriately. Paul said in Ephesians 4.26, if you become angry, don't let your anger lead you into sin and don't stay angry all day. Look at that verse. Does anything in that verse indicate that you can be angry and not sin? Yes, it does. He said, be angry and don't sin. He said, if you become angry, don't let it lead you into sin. So it's not automatically a sin to get angry. There are appropriate ways and inappropriate ways to show our anger. And, uh, and there's helpful ways, harmful ways. It's all in how we deal with it. And the problem is most of us express our anger in ways that cause us more trouble uh, and move us further from our goals than what we want to be instead of moving closer to our goal. So how should we deal with it? Here's some tips. Write these down. One, don't suppress your anger. Don't hold it in. What you mash down is eventually going to explode back out. It, it, or it'll do this. You keep, you keep swallowing your anger, you're going to have ulcers in your stomach. You, or, or your heart's going to be bad or something's going to go on. You've got to, when you suppress your anger, your body will keep score. And it'll eventually let you know that you lost. The second one is don't repress it. It's a little different. Repression uh, is, uh, doesn't just push it down. It denies it's even there. I mean, you, you know, somebody said, how you doing? I'm fine. And you could kill somebody you're so mad. I mean... You know, y'all do that all the time coming to church, especially if you've got a bunch of kids in the car. You're ready to take one of them out back there. You know, just before you pull in the church parking lot, I brought you in this world. I can take you out. And, and, and you come in here, and the greeter gives you a bullet and says, how you doing? You go, oh, wonderful. Aren't we kids? You know? And, and so, you know, we, we just repress it. We deny it. And, uh, and when we do that, we're lying to God ourselves and whoever asked you how you're doing. So number three, write this down. Don't express it in inappropriate ways. Don't pout. Don't lash out. Don't be a skunk. Don't be a turtle. Don't revert, revert to sarcasm or try and manipulate people. Don't be passive aggressive. Y'all know what passive aggressive is, don't you? You're just not going to act like you're mad, but you get them. You get them anyway. There are all sorts of ways people express anger. In inappropriate ways. Could be violence, could be substance abuse. And look, when we do any of these, we're losing. We're hurting ourselves. We need to understand it. So here's the way we need to handle it. Write this down. It's fourth one. Confess it. Confess your anger. Admit that you're angry to God. Admit, admit the cause. God, I'm angry because I got passed over for this promotion. I'm angry because my life just isn't going the way I thought it would go. I'm angry and 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 let him deal with you on that. Say why you're upset, and here's why. I'm hurt, I'm frustrated, I'm afraid. Look at this, look at this verse, too. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. Don't, be a, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will circle learn to live like them and endanger your soul. 
This verse says anger is contagious. Anger is a contagious disease. But so is happiness, you know. And so when we smile, you know what? When you smile at somebody and say, hey, how you doing? Somebody, they're going to smile back at you. I've, I've used that for years. I, I've talked to people that went to the same schools I went in or went to, grad, went to school where I did a lot of work in schools, and they'd say, man, I was in fights every day. And I go around the same students and say, hey, man, how you doing? They go, hey, Brother Rob or whatever, Mr. Robert, and everything. And, and here's why. I smiled and they frowned. You frown at somebody, they're going to frown back. Anger is a, it's a contagious disease. And so when you hang around angry people, you're going, to, you're going to spend a lot of time being angry. You're going to learn that behavior. When, as parents, when we stay angry and we lose it, we're training our kids how not to handle anger. We're training our kids that the way when you get mad and don't get what you want is you explode. How many of you like it when your children do a temper tantrum? It's not fun. It's not funny, and it's really not funny when adults do temper tantrums. So, uh, but here's the good news. You might say, finally. Here's the good news. If you learned how to handle it wrong, you can learn how to handle it right. If you learned how to handle anger wrong, you can unlearn the negative and learn what God wants you to do. And here's the good thing. God will give you the power to do it. God will give you the power. Remember, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And God will give you the power to do that. He'll give you the power to control your anger. You don't have to stay the same. You can change with God's help. Decide to control it. Realize there's a cost. Restrain your mouth. Reflect before react and release your anger in appropriate ways. Confess it and admit it. Number six, say this. I need to learn to return good for evil. Never let other people control you by choosing uh, to react to them. You don't ever let someone, you react, somebody else has control over you. Booker T. Washington once said this, I will never let another man control my life by making me hate him. You take control. When you, when you say you make me mad, you give control to whoever that is you're talking to. But you can take control back. God says take control back of the situation by returning good for evil. When they yell at you, you return good words them uh, you know so you return good for evil and you take control back it's, it's easy to retaliate let me tell you it is easy to retaliate when the woman was cussing me out I would have loved to have returned in kind you know there's a side of all of us you know and uh, but but I didn't because I stayed focused on my goals I wish I could say uh, I did that in every encounter but uh, you know we want to do that we've got to learn uh, we never return evil for evil. We return good for evil. When we do that, we retain control. We're saying, you are not going to dictate to me how I respond to you. And uh, so, we and Paul, Paul says this in Romans 12. I'll read Romans 12, 17 through 21. And uh, parts of it are in your outline. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. And look at verse 18. Do all you can to live in peace with everyone. I've got to, I might not be able to live at peace, but I'm going to do everything I can to live at peace with somebody. Okay? I'm not going to start to fight. You know? And, uh, but we don't want to be, we don't want to be like a, a friend of mine. He's actually a band director I knew. <clears throat> he got in a fight. Guy picked a fight with him in school. He lost the fight. When he got home, his dad whipped him. I mean, tore him up. Told him to go back and 
Pick a fight with that kid the next day. Went back and got beat up again. His dad whipped him again. The third day he went back and he won the fight. And his dad said, how'd you win? He said, well, I caught him with a two before across his legs when he's coming down the steps. And it said, don't do that, all right? Don't do that. Do all you can to live at peace with everyone. Don't listen to a crazy person telling you to go back and do all that. Dear friends, never take revenge, Paul said. Never? He said, leave that to the righteous anger of God. Somebody one time said, God don't sleep. He doesn't. And he's a just God. And he will always punish sin. Look what he says here. He said, leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. But when we try and take revenge, we're taking what God is supposed to do away from him. And we're trying to do it. He said, I'll take revenge. He said, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. And then he says this, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. When we return evil for evil, evil has conquered me. When I return good for evil, I've conquered evil. And so listen, bad things are going to happen. People like, there's a fallacy in our world today. People think that if I'm a Christian, it's all going to be smooth. The roads are going to be smooth. Everything's going to go right. My bank account's going to have lots of money in it. My car will never break down. My kids will be perfect. All that kind of stuff. And that's as wrong as you can be. The Bible says it rains on the just and on the unjust. We've got to know how to respond and how to get through it. So we conquer evil by doing good. You're going to be frustrated, you're going to be hurt, you're going to be afraid. and You need to spend all your time retaliating or you can let God settle the score. And he will. He's a just God, he's a holy God. And, uh, and so he's going to settle the score for injustices of life. Might not be here, might be in eternity. You know that mean person that, that bothers you all the time, that you keep being nice to, and doesn't matter what you do, they, they're still mean girl or mean boy or mean whatever. You know, they might just have a surprise waiting on them when they get to the judgment because not everybody goes to heaven and uh, you've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and uh, so heaven's a prepared place for prepared people number seven write this down and this is the kicker all these steps are good but if you don't do this one you missed it I need to ask for God's help let me tell you God will help you do all the other six things he'll help you decide to control it he'll help you to realize there's a cost He'll help you restrain your mouth, reflect before reacting, respond and return good for evil. He will give you the power to do that, but we've got to ask him for help. Look what the psalmist said, Lord, help me control my tongue. How many of y'all besides me wish you'd prayed that before you opened your mouth, right? You know, all of us, Lord, help me control my tongue. Help me be careful about what I say or post. Some of y'all need to, like, pray for your thumbs and, uh, you know, and, and, and do some things there. So how does God help us control our mouths or our thumbs? How does he help us control our anger? He goes directly for the heart. He goes directly for the heart. It's not your mouth that gets you in trouble. It's what's in your heart that comes out of your mouth that gets you in trouble. It, it, you know, it's not what you say that's the problem. It's what's in your heart that comes out that gets you in trouble. If you're filled with hurt, frustration and fear causing anger, you're going to be like a tube of toothpaste. Every time life, life puts a little pressure on you, 
anger's going to ooze out onto something, you know. And, uh, and so it just keeps oozing, keeps oozing. Let me tell you, we've got to learn to deal with it. We, and we deal with it by having a heart change. Look what Jesus said. Jesus called the Pharisees. He said, you brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? And here's the kicker. For whatever's in your heart determines what you say. Think about that with me for a minute. What's in your heart? See, self-control is a heart issue. You know, uh, self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 says, Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control is a heart issue from my relationship with God. And so what's in our hearts comes out of our mouths. And if I've got encouraging words for people, I'm probably a happy person. If I've got sarcastic, mean words coming out, I'm probably not a happy person, all right? And so we've got to learn. It's a heart issue, and, and, and here's what happens. God wants to give you a new heart. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He said, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. See, God changes the heart. He doesn't just reform the outside or give a paint job to a wall. He changes the heart. See, David prayed for God to give him a new heart, and that's what God does when we receive Jesus as our Savior. He gives us a new heart. See, God is a heart transplant surgeon. He takes out the old one, and he gives us a new one. See, God gives us a new attitude. He changes our minds. He uh, changes our hearts so we're not angry so much anymore. When, let, me, let me tell you, when Jesus deals with your anger, he deals with the root cause. He deals with the root cause. If you're angry because you're insecure, Jesus is going to say, let me tell you how you can be secure. Let me tell you how you can be secure. You don't have to worry. If you're, if you're uh, hurt, he replaces that hurt with love, no matter who or how badly you've been hurt. If you feel frustration, he'll replace it with his peace that it's not even explainable. He'll do all that. So when you say, I can't control it, he says, you can if you just trust me. See, anger will dissipate and peace that passes all understanding comes in when we allow God, the Lord of peace, to come into our lives in a personal way. Paul said in Colossians, he said, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. You know why I became a Christian many years ago? I didn't have that peace. Yeah, I could fake it. I, I, I could fake I was just a normal kid, you know, uh, having a good time. But when I closed my eyes, I knew something was missing. I didn't have that peace. Let the, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. We've got to do that. We've got to do that. So when a baby's crying and mama goes and picks up that baby, the baby quits crying. Why? Because it feels secure. God is sitting here telling you in this room and those of you that are watching on social media that he's there with his arms open wanting to pick you up so you can feel secure. And you realize how much God loves you and that he's never going to stop loving you. He's got a plan for your life. I mean, he will help you with every issue of your life. Why wouldn't we turn our lives over to him? I want you to bow your heads.